Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome to the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, not as always, we are lucky to have our NBA analyst. And because of technical difficulties that I created, (laughs) he is here. But that's not important. Nope. It's Claude. Fly till I die. Lathan. Claude, how's it going, man? Good, good, man. This is just like the uh, the old days, right? When we were, you know, kicking it back, back in Columbia and uh, Way just back, getting things kind of going. This is great. Uh, uh, so good, man. It feels it feels good. Feels good. It feels right. Feels right, Claude. Uh, Claude, they, we, uh, uh, aside from us having a great reunion, um, there's a bit of pandemonium in the streets. I don't know if you noticed. A little bit of it's been a little bit of pandemonium, a little bit of just a chaos. Tad, yeah, yeah, and I think I think we need to address it. Uh, Tom Brady is signing with the Tampa Buccaneers. That's right. Say what? It's insane. Wow. Can you believe it? Nope. Can you believe it? Nope. Tom, I'm not upset a... because I live in Tampa. There you go. I mean, it really helps you out. Apparently, Claude, <laughs> he's decided that he's old enough to come to Florida. Sweet. Like all other old folks. So, you know. Yeah, retirement. Yeah, exactly. Uh, side note, Claude, I did a little research. Florida, we don't have the highest percentage uh, of, uh, or we don't have the oldest average age. Yeah. Really? Yeah, no. Maine beats us. What? Maine beats us. Yeah, I could, they have, I could see that. They have an average median age of 38 in Maine. No, oh. oh. <laughs> but we we do keep in mind Florida does have the highest percentage of population over the age of 65. So 19% true. 19 percent of our population over 65. So not surprised. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tom is well over our average age in Florida. You do have to keep that in mind. Uh, After this news of Tom Brady going to Tampa, Robert Kraft took out a full ad in the Tampa Bay Times. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see that, Claude? Hmm. I did. I I thought that was very kind question mark word yeah <laughs> well i thought you know i was like i was like that's real nice of him but then when you take into account that he's worth seven billion dollars you know you're like <clears throat> like couldn't you got some fireworks or something rob he could have done you? six full pages for the yeah. six rings he could have he could have just bought the whole paper let's be honest he could have been like here's your paper tom this is now your paper you can write whatever you want Sweet. if you lose a game you can just go in there and be like tom brady's still the greatest and it won't it won't be a problem because it's your paper but instead he went with a one-page ad because he's robert Kraft. but anyways Blame. i wanted to talk about claude i'm a little upset because as you're well aware this show has close ties with Tom Brady. So true. You know? I, oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Best friends. I, for the listeners that aren't aware, if you don't remember, listeners, uh, Tom Brady endorses this show. Nope. And I'll tell you how he endorses this show. Jackie, 
And uh, I don't know if she goes by Jackie, by the way. I just shortened her name. It's Jacqueline on her emails. But Jackie, uh, his publicist from Team Brady, told us, and I quote in an email, best of luck with your show. That's right. That's a fact. Yeah. (laughs) Which I mean. That's awesome. If that's not an endorsement, I, I mean, basically what she said was, Tom Brady loves everything you guys do and wishes he could be a part of the show. That's basically what best of luck with your show means. That's right. At least in my world. I don't know about yours, Claude, but that's what it means for me. Um, it sounds like he probably listens to every single yeah. recording. Every a- single amen. show. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what it means, Claude. That's what it means. Um, and somehow, in the midst of all this chaos, moving teams, he forgot to let his favorite show know. I don't know how that happened. It's weird, but he did. Uh, now, and really, not only the show, Claude, but as I, I think you're aware, I endorse Tom Brady's pajama pants as well. I mean, really? Yeah, me and Tom Brady are pajama bros. We have, you have the, the same, same pajamas as yes. Tom Brady. Yes. His overpriced Under Armour pajamas. Sweet. I have, Dave. That's a Claude. <laughs> Sorry, I'm used to saying Dave. Um, I have those, Claude. I thought that I fly <laughs> till I die. What You know, Dave, does he, I don't, can he even fly? He's Burl's. He's burled. He's not. I mean, he's not. He's not fly till he die. But he's got a burly beard, so that's pretty good. That's but anyways, back back to my pajama pants. I wear the same pajama pants as Tom Brady. We both have them, and he didn't let me know. Girl, come on. And as you know, actually, I think the last show that you actually co-host with me and Dave Claude, uh, I let you know that he follows YG and Rick Ross on Instagram. And I sort of... That's right. I sort of got to thinking, like, did did he let them know? Did he slip into the DMs before he made this move to Tampa and was like, hey, guys, been listening to some Port of Miami 2 and been sipping some rosé. <laughs> and I was thinking, it's Tampa, guys. It's Tampa. Did he do that service for those fellas, or did he just do this on his own? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Tom Tom Brady I, I may have been um, the one influencer that I see right by his side all the times, his wife. Yeah. Yeah. So, That's Giselle, good. I, I think she very well could be the uh, the influencer here who he uh, mm. who he was trying to speak with about this decision. Now, I, did, I didn't think about uh, that. Yeah, you may that. have gotten some DMs, and uh, you That's know, true. are you holding out on us? That's true. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, maybe. Word. Maybe I got something for Giselle. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> I haven't been checking. Maybe I haven't been checking. Uh, Waiting for some breaking news here. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to go back and look. But Claude, did you see what TB12 asked for when he went to Tampa Bay? Hmm. I don't think I. I know he didn't ask for twelve. That's right. He didn't. He, he didn't ask for a locker. He didn't ask for things yeah. in his locker. He didn't ask for twelve. No, he asked for his new teammates' phone numbers. That's right. That's right. That's right. And of course, every news and sports channel that loves Team Unity, they got some huge TB boners for that. They were big fans. <laughs> they were huge fans. And just imagine, Claude, for a second, just imagine if you're one of his new teammates and he calls you up. Huh? How weird that has to be, right? Like, I mean, oh. you just got to be like you're O.J. Howard and Tom Brady calls you up and he's like, hey, 
This is Tom Brady. Word. I'm your new teammate. Like, what do you say <laughs> to that? Like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my kind of weird. Uh, if th- if that's what weird is, then I'll take it. Because if I had Tom Brady calling me to say what's up, I mean, well, I mean, it'd be cool. De- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit used to it because he's best friends with the show. But I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, what do you say? Like, you can't just jump into X's and O's. Are you just like, yeah, I've heard of you. Your your <laughs> wife's pretty hot. Like, I mean, just like, I don't, you can't just be like, hey, you know, I was thinking we need more post routes in the third. That's All right, I'll see you later at practice. Like, it's so weird. Anyway, you just talk about Antonio Brown and, you know, it gets ma- you off on a good foot with him. There you go. I like that. Yeah. I like Common that. Common ground. Uh, anyways, Claude, bottom line, NFL world will never be the same. So no. let me ask you for the, uh, the ending here. What's the likelihood Tom will win another Super Bowl? Hmm. Uh, I say this is the year if he does it, but, um, after well, this year, no, no chance. Let me jump in with this. Which has a better chance of happening? Tom Brady winning another Super Bowl or the Doc G show becoming the most popular show in the world? What do you think? Hmm. The more likely chance is 100% the Doc G show becoming the best show in the world. That's not even a question. That's why you're fly till you die. That's true. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Are you ready to fire up? Shout out to you, Dave. Are you ready to fire it up? Let's get it fired up. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Okay. Claude, we have a super amazing show today. The Grammy-winning, world-traveling, bluegrass rockin', steel drivers are on the show. We are going to be talking to Tammy Rogers, their their fiddle player, their singer. They've got a new album out, Bad For You. I'm, I'm really excited about this. This is good stuff. I mean, this is the group that started Chris Stapleton's career. Words. That that group. That, That's that, awesome. Yeah, that super famous, super giant, I, I guess you can call him pop star now, uh, started with with the Steel Drivers, and we're going to be talking to Tammy. Very excited about that. But first, we need to start where we start, Claude, which would be birthday suit. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I know you're not. I know you're not rusty on these. I know you're gonna nail it here. This this <laughs> oh, is a man. this is a music icon. We do have one from your wheelhouse. We've got an NBA one today, so don't worry. Okay. Okay. But this one's music. But it's an icon. You'll get it. You'll get it. Yes! So born on March 25th, 1947, with the name Reginald Kenneth Dwight. That was his birth name. Yeah. Middlesex, England, was huh. where he was born. He was raised by his grandparents. Our birthday suit wearer started playing piano as a young boy. At the age of 11, he gained a scholarship to learn at the Royal Academy of Music. Just before taking his finals exams at the academy, he left to pursue a career in popular music. Hmm. In 1967, he was given the lyrics from an A&R manager that had been written by Bernie Taupin. He wrote music to those lyrics, and they recorded their first song together, known as Scarecrow. The two still work together. In 1969, our birthday suit wearer released his debut album, Empty Sky. 
he went on to release some of the biggest hits of the 70s, including Levon, Rocket Man, Crocodile Rock, Daniel, Candle in the Wind, Benny and the Jets, Tiny Dancer, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, Don't Go Breaking My Heart, and Your Song. In the 90s, one of his biggest uh, releases was the Lion King soundtrack, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Sweet. He also made headlines by recreating the smash hit Candle in the Wind for Princess Diana's Funeral, which became the fastest and biggest selling single of all time, Claude. All time. 33 million copies worldwide. Wow. He was inducted wow. into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1994. He's in the Songwriters Hall of Fame, and he was knighted by the Queen in 1987. He's won four Grammys. Name that birthday, Sue Ware. Hmm. I... I think I've got to go with Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John, you did him you did him service. Yes, he is a sir. He is a knight. Yes, indeed. Yes. It is Elton John. Fantastic, man. I, 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 I get in some Elton grooves, let me tell you, Claude. I get in some he, Elton he's grooves. He's something else. That's you know, right. I mean, and, and like, they're just so good jam. Your song... Rocket Man, your song will leave you in tears if you're in the right mood. Just such a jam, oh, yeah. man. Benny and the Jets, let me tell you about Benny and the Jets. Uh, one of my oldest friends that I've had for the longest time, Lee Kegley, right? His dad, Tom, uh, when we were kids, when I was like uh, five, six, you know, I'd go over to his house, and every time he'd see me, he'd be like, "Benny and the Jets," Word. and I'd just be, and and like, you know, I'm a five year old. I was just like, "What is he talking about? I don't have any Jets around me." Nope. This man is insane. He made some kind of weird, crazy theme song just for me. Yeah. And then somewhere around middle school, it clicked. I was like, "Oh, that's a song." He's using mm-hmm. another person's song. Took me forever, man. But I finally got it. Props to Tom for rocking out the Elton John. Turning the big 73 today. 73, Claude. Looking good for 73. That's, yeah, that's terrific, man. He's, uh, like you said, those are some jams. And, mm-hmm. you know, my story for him would be with, uh, you know, Heath Smith of Big Thunder and the Rumblefish, oh. my former roommate. I mean, you oh, used yeah. to jam around with him. That was jam. one of the main songs that they uh, they like to cover, and um, it's always a good crowd favorite. So yeah, we definitely got into- a very happy birthday to uh, Sir Elton. We went, we went down on some Benny and the Jets, man, Heath. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> with that, are you ready to rip some headlines, Claude? Let's rip it. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. All right, uh, Claude, I want to start off this week by letting the listeners know. I know, we've already said there was some scary stuff going on. There's still some scary stuff going on with coronavirus. But don't worry, listeners. There's still people out there making bad decisions, regardless of what coronavirus is doing. (laughs) And Claude, you would be correct if you thought a lot of those happened right here in this state of Florida. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So true. Mm -hmm. Okay. So our first story, Claude, is from ClickOrlando.com, and it comes to us right from where you're at, Manatee County, Florida, right down the road there. Yeah. Yeah. So so Cody Hicks, 23-year-old, he was driving erratically down the road, swerving a little bit, 
when he crashed into the car in front of him. Now, most people, what are you thinking about in that situation, Claude? You're thinking, oh, my God, are the other drivers okay? You're thinking insurance. Oh, yeah. You're thinking call the police, you know? Those are those are, those are my top three. I don't know about you, but that's what I'd be thinking. Hmm. Um, yeah, let's go with those. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? Well, apparently, Cody, not so much. He opt for none of those. He decided uh, to get out of his car, take his pants off and his underwear, and uh, walked up to the other car and asked the women in the car if they wanted to engage in a sex act. And, and the women were underage. Oh, no. Oh, no, Cody. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently when the police arrived on the scene, they asked Mr. Hicks about the incident, and all he would say was, I want my lawyer, which is smart by that time, Cody, but it's a little too late. Um, (laughs) Mr. Hicks was arrested for lewd and lascivious behavior, which is understandable. But this is what got me, Claude. He entered a plea of not guilty. Hmm. What? Well, I mean, did they have it on recording that he actually ah, asked? Th- eh, that's a that's a that's a good thought, Claude. That's a, that's I don't I I guess not. Nope. Because like what I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna be like, Your Honor, when I got out of the car, I thought my pants were on fire from the wreck. That's a fact. So I had to remove them. And then I merely asked the two ladies in the car if they would like some checks because I have some checks cereal in my car. Big misunderstanding. Very close to hey, sounding words. Word. You know, this is a, this is a country of innocent until proven guilty. So That's I, true. I don't know. I don't I like, know. I like your outlook, Claude. <laughs> I like you trying to be positive. I like it. Glass like half it. full. Yes. Okay, our next story straight up off the AP Press, Claude. Uh, You can do, and I'm not saying you specifically, I'm saying you as all of us, Claude, can do some pretty dumb things Hmm. when we're highly intoxicated. Um, Oh, yes. It's a well-known side effect of alcohol. That's a fact. And uh, Sage Cummings, he realized that this past weekend. Yes! Uh, Apparently, the police were investigating a burglary of two TVs. Victim had called the police and they said, two of my TVs were stolen. Uh, That's when Sage approached the police and let him know, you know what? It was me. I stole the TVs. Word. I I took them (laughs) from the victim's house. And he told the police he was very intoxicated when this happened. He remembered knocking on the door of the victim's house. And when nobody answered, Hmm. he decided that he would just enter the residence. And he does not remember anything after that. And he woke up (laughs) in his apartment with two TVs that were not his in his room at 830. Um, Apparently, Mr. Cummins told the police he wanted to make things right and return the stolen items. Uh, He was arrested and charged with receiving stolen property, which, first of all, I, you know what, Claude? Good for Mr. Cummins for stepping up, doing the right thing. Nicely done, Mr. Cummins. Uh, yeah. But s- second thing I got to say, though, it's a pretty laborious activity for a drunk. Am I right? Yes! Carrying two TVs, you know? It seems, it seems a little premeditated to me. 
Yeah, well, for a drunk, like, most drunks I know, I can't get them to go to Taco Bell with me. Nope. Let alone <laughs> carry two TVs all the way back to their house. That seems like, I mean, if he were really that intoxicated, wouldn't you think it'd be more likely that he took the two TVs and then threw them in the bush beside the house and then just left? That's a fact. Like, that sounds yeah. more like the activity of a drunk. Now. Yeah, I I feel like he had to have gone. He when he woke up that morning, he said to himself as he got out of his bed, "I'm going to steal two TVs tonight." Yeah. And maybe while he was drinking, he happened to black out doing so. Yeah. But there's no way, like you said. I mean, there's no way that you just get drunk and wander and steal two TVs and it didn't mean any harm, you know. But as you said, hmm, innocent until proven guilty. So there you go. There you go. There you go. But Got he me. admitted. But he admitted that he stole it, and he was charged with it. So you know. Now nah, there you go. What? Uh, <laughs> this next story again. Another one from right down the road from you. Uh, this comes from uh, Fox Channel Forty Five. Uh, have you ever had to pay a ticket uh, for not paying a toll fee, Claude? Hmm. Uh, yes, I actually have. Uh, Aren't they annoying? They're annoying, yeah, man. Yeah, big time. Very annoying. Well, uh, I've got a little bit of story about that. I uh, I went to Indianapolis with my bro Brandon uh, back in the day. I think it was like 2014, and we were driving through West Virginia, and uh, we we all of a sudden I don't know if you know this, but West Virginia is loaded with toll roads. Yes! They're just all over the place in West Virginia, and we hit this toll, and there were no warnings. You know, it was one of those where there weren't any signs that were like, "Hey, toll coming up. Hey, get off. You don't want to pay." No, it was just boom. Here's the toll, Girl, come on. and me and Brandon were like, "Oh no!" And we're like looking for change, and we're like 15 cents short. And we go up to the guy at the toll, and we're like, "Ah, we." like 15 cents and he literally waits for like five minutes as we're just looking all around the car for extra change right and there's cars <laughs> building up behind us and finally he's like I'll, I'll pay the extra 15 cents we're like oh thanks man thanks we get like <laughs> 10 miles down the road and there's another toll Girl, come on. we're like oh god dude why didn't you tell us that there was another one we would have got off way back there. Yeah. So then we get to this dude's toll, and I just said, hey, yeah, we don't have any money. Nope. And he was like, oh, it's fine. Just pull forward. They'll take a picture. They'll send you the the uh, charge. And we were like, where was the where the, <laughs> the first guy on that suggestion? He let like 65 cars behind us, and then he's like, <laughs> oh, I'll pay the 15 cents. Like, come on, bro. Anyways. The reason he knew I bring what he was doing. the reason I bring this up is because in the story, the dude here he really doesn't like tolls. Hmm. This is Leroy Stottlemyre. Leroy Stottlemyre, um, he doesn't like tolls so much that he thought he would risk uh, going to jail for impersonating a cop twice to get out of paying them. Wow, twice. In four days, Claude. In four days. So, if at first you don't succeed, try and try again. I don't know. Nope. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not that. We don't recommend that. I don't know. <laughs> so he was first arrested on March 9th for impersonating a law enforcement officer, right? And following this run-in with the police, the police of the area spoke to all the toll bridge attendants 
And the attendant said that they knew this guy. They're like, yeah, he often does this. Word. He tries to identify himself as a U.S. Air Marshal and show us a badge. And they were like, all right, well, just so you know, he's out there, right? So then two days after that, Stottlemyre comes up to a toll booth, says he's an air marshal, shows them the badge, and the toll booth attendant pulls out a newspaper article that is about him getting arrested for impersonating the police officer. It's like, yeah, so this is you, hmm. and you're not a U.S. air marshal. Nope. Stottlemyre, <laughs> without hesitating, puts away his fake badge and just pulls out money and is like, here's your toll money. I'll see you later. Right? <laughs> the cops tracked him down two days later and arrested him. Oh. But I got to say, I love the instant reaction of, oh, you know I'm not a cop? All right, well, here's my money, and I'll say good day to you, sir. Just go ahead and get out of here. Like, just act like it doesn't happen at all. Just like, oh, in that case, so well, nonchalant. Then, I am not a cop. I'll see you later. Sorry that I faked you out with that badge there. Okay, uh, Claude, um, as you're aware, a lot of things have been put on pause because of the coronavirus festivals. Most sadly for you, the NBA. Uh, yes. Concerts, parties, celebrations. Well, for me, Claude, this could be one of the saddest things here that was put on hold. And this was a festival in Deerfield, Michigan. Hmm. Deerfield, Michigan. So, apparently back in the 60s, uh, local slaughterhouses in Deerfield, they started noticing they were accumulating a lot of cattle genitals, Claude. Word. Yeah. You know, oh. they were spreading out all the beef, and they didn't really have anything to do with cattle genitals. So, they started getting together <laughs> every year and having a party and eating them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, they are delicacies in certain countries, right? Yeah. Well, they turned it into a true festival in 2001, Claude. They turned it into the Testicle Festival. That's right. <laughs> the Testicle Festival of Deerfield, Michigan, where they deep fry testicles. That's right. Sweet. Now, I know what you're oh, saying. Man. I know what you're saying, Claude. You're like, hmm. Don't know if I'd eat cattle testicles. Well, don't worry. They've got other options, Claude. They also have plenty of <laughs> chicken gizzards. Huh? Huh? Okay. I can do that. I can there do we go. I'm oh, from okay. South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. Like, that's okay. We uh, can deal with that. A classic. I like it. I like it. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, no. The testicle festival is on Paul's. What are they going to do with all those testicles? Hmm. Don't worry. <laughs> They froze them, Claude. They froze all 300 pounds of testicles just waiting for the day that they can reinstate the festival. Now, they've got a tentative Ugh. date of May 9th right now. They're hoping they can get it. 300 pounds. 300 pounds. 300 pounds. Now, I know I know. the second thing you're thinking, Claude, is you're like, mm, frozen testicles? We all know fresh testicles are better over frozen any day of the week. That's right. That's true, Claude. We can't do anything about that. We're going to have to Nobody likes blue testicles. We're going to have to have frozen <laughs> blue testicles. You can't help it, Claude. You can't help it. 
Uh, it's just a thing. But like, I just, I, I gotta, I gotta imagine somebody walking down the street that doesn't know about this festival, and they smell a delicious fried meal, and they're like, "Oh man, what's going on?" And they go up to the first booth, and they're like, <laughs> "What are you guys cooking?" And they're like, "Testicles." And they're like, "Wait, what?" Oh, do you have anything else? Oh yeah, we got these chicken gizzards. Oh. <laughs> Okay, I guess I'll go with the gizzards, maybe, perhaps. Okay, so our next story, uh, Claude, it's a little bit old, but it's a world record, and we haven't talked about it yet, so we obviously have to talk about it. Uh, Claude, do you remember the Super Bowl commercial with the giant Snickers? Hmm... Oh, I I might have missed that one. I don't. Okay. Well, there was a there was a uh, there was commercial with the giant Snickers, and the uh, Mars company actually made that giant Snickers. Jeez. Like they actually made a giant Snickers, and it set the world record for the biggest Snickers. We talked about that on the show. Now the thing was, was then the Hershey company came in and swiped that record away from them. So true. Because then they made their biggest Take Five bar, and it set the new record. Well, hmm. I was unaware, Claude. There was a world record going on at the same time, unrelated to candy bars, but still food at the Super Bowl, and that would be Bush Beans, Bush's Beans. Set a Guinness World Record for, wait for it, world's largest layered dip. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dive right in. Am I right? How many layers do you think they did, Claude? How many layers? Hmm. Oh, God. Uh, I mean, the traditional classic is a seven layer dip. That's so true. It's It's got to just be like a thousand times that, uh, you, at least. You close. Know? Close. What? Ten. Huge layers. Ten. What? Ten huge layers. They did 70 different layers. So they took the traditional seven and they multiplied it by ten. They literally just got ten different seven-layer dip recipes and then put them on top of each other. So they went veggie, Cuban, (laughs) Caprice, loaded baked potato, buffalo, Mediterranean, Fiesta, spicy, barbecue, and classic all on top of each other. It ended up being four feet, eight inches tall, and weighing 1,087 pounds. Jeez. Yeah. I'm so I'm so hungry right now. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is... I wasn't hungry before the show, uh, listeners. Let's get that right. I am hungry <laughs> listening up to this dip. It sounds I'd, amazing. I, well, I, be honest, Claude. It was the testicles. So true. It was the testicles. You can be honest. <laughs> You be honest. You had me at uh, you had me at blue testicles. Yes. They were fried, man. Anything fried. But uh, back to the dip. What? Uh, <laughs> I mean the the top the top chip. I would dip one in there. Uh, now afterwards, mm-hmm. they said that they after they got the record, they broke it down, they separated it, and they sent all the components to local charitable organizations, which is nice. I like that. But I mean, I gotta be honest. Thinking about like just one of those layers. That's like been setting under like Buffalo Fiesta and barbecue all day. Ew. Gotta be pretty gross. Like it's probably soaked up some pretty pretty weird flavors after a while. I'm just saying. It's probably a yeah, homeless. Was it, hmm? 
Was it refrigerated? Was it just out and, and wide open? Well, they had the it. They, they, like, they had it open. I know while they're measuring it. I don't know if they took it back. I, I hope they would take it back. I feel like it'd spoil so after too. a while. That'd be a little yeah. yikes. Yikes. I don't want the know? bottom of that dip. No. No, it seems <laughs> I'm like not so, it, I'm not so hungry anymore now. It could be a little frightening, but... Anyways, that has been Rip from the Headlines. Claude, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from the fantastic, the one, the only, Steel Drivers right here on the Doc G Show. We will be right back after this. Brother John, 
And we are back here on the Doc G Show, Spinnaker Radio, WSKRLP 95.5 FM in Jacksonville, Florida. Claude, this is normally the time that Dave gives the suggestion that the folks out there should listen to the podcast. That's but, right. You know, I don't expect you to do that, so I'll just go ahead and tell them, hey guys, <laughs> download the podcast. Uh, check it out. Go on the website, www.docgshow.com, or just download it anywhere you download your podcast, Apple, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, whatever it may be. We're there, guys. Yes! We're there. Yes! Uh, Claude, I think the last time you were on... We had, I don't know if we had created shout-outs. Had we created shout-outs, just the the, the, the hmm. celebration of the folks that listen to the show? Yeah, I, I think you and I may have I think, originated that wait, a long time really? ago. Yeah, because I, there came a point in time, uh, this was a couple years ago, where in like one show, yeah, in like one show, I, I managed to give like five or six shout-outs um, 37 it, shout outs Claude style I like crazy. it crazy yeah I mean it was okay. we kept talking about stories of people and it was shout out here shout okay. out there and um, I think we've given we shout to outs dedicate. to Kevin Durant I'm gonna, I'm gonna look at the origins I'm looking at the origins and not oranges oh. I'm looking at the origins of shout outs here we go okay well anyways we like to obviously give credit to all the folks that listen to the show, and I've divided them now, Claude, into three categories, regular, semi-regulars, and newcomers. Ooh. So first, the regulars. Of course, Jacksonville, Florida. Shout out to everybody in shout Duval. Out. Then we've got Columbia, South Carolina, our old hometown. Shout oh, yeah. out to shout those guys. Out. Uh, shout out to Radford, Virginia, my old, old, old town. Shout out to those guys for listening. Ashburn, Virginia. It's for it's for Doc G lovers, Claude. They love it there. They oh, yeah. love it. Um, Dublin, Ireland, one of our international listeners. Shout out to Dublin. Shout out, shout out to Genoa, Italy, also regulars. Barcelona, Spain, regulars. Islington, England. Shout out to those guys. It's a little sub area of the uh, London London metropolitan area. Uh, Amberg, Germany. Shout out to those guys. Shout out. Shout out to Mountain View, California. Shout out Shout to Charleston, out. South Carolina. You know that. You oh, know yeah. you know that place, Claude. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Queen City. Shout out to Tennessee, uh, ten- Madison, Tennessee. <laughs> I got two of them. I got two of them mixed up there. Madison, Tennessee. Shout, Shout out. out to Maputo, Mozambique. Shout and out. lastly, Shout out to Kenner, Louisiana. Those are our regulars, Claude. Always listening. Big props to the regulars. Big props. What a wide variety of listeners. I love it. Thank you all. Right? Yes! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I I really, and as I've told Dave the last couple of weeks, I really sometimes sit back and get impressed by the international listeners. Mm-hmm. I mean, the people that take the time, the Dublin Irelands, the Hamburg Germanys, the Maputo Mozambiques, that they put the time in to listen. So true. We appreciate it. Now, the semi-regulars. Here we go, Dave. Uh, Dave, again, I'm sorry. I'll get oh, it. Don't man, worry, Claude. Man. I'll get it. I'll, That's strike two. Don't worry. Girl, come on. That's strike two. Don't worry. I won't get out. I won't get out. 
Um, I've got it written down all in my outline. I don't know why I put Dave in there because obviously I know his name, but for some reason I still put it in there. So it's just cueing me every time that I look at it. Anyways. Jeez. Okay. Hilton Head, South Carolina. Coming in. Solid listens this week. Solid listens. I was surprised. They were like third or fourth on our list. Good job for them. Shout out to them. Shout out. Uh, Miami, Florida. Miami, Florida. So the... The bottom of our state, Claude. Bottom of our state. Uh, Orlando, Florida. Shout out to those guys. Now we're going to go all the way across the country. Valencia, California. Shout out to them. them. And then Phoenix, Arizona. Capital of Arizona. Shout out to those guys. Uh, And then this one, I haven't seen this one in a while, Claude. Uh, Gold Coast, Australia. Been a while for them, but they came back on this. Yes! Think there's, I, I think there's a lot of uh, red jumpsuit apparatus fans in Australia. I saw a lot of listens there this week. Um, yeah, they missed you. Yeah, they had to come back for the guest. I get it. I'm not the main attraction. I understand. It's fine. Um, Fairfax, Virginia, and lastly, Dirksland, Netherlands. Those are our semi-regulars. Now... The newcomers. The newcomers, Claude. Here we go. Uh, first newcomer, Reykjavik, Iceland. Yes. Ooh. Yes. Uh, fun fact, Claude. We talked about this, me and Dave, a while back. It's the home of the Penis Museum. Yes. Yes. What? There's a really? penis. There's a penis museum there, Claude. Yes, indeed. Yes. Several. Man, we're getting a full full dosage today. That's Testicles, right. Testicles, penis museum. I mean, it's all here. Sweet. It's all here. Uh, 130,000 <laughs> people in Reykjavik, Claude. Uh, this, I don't know if you'll if you'll like this. Uh, well, it's not it's not illegal anymore. But for some reason, beer was banned until 1989 in Reykjavik. Word. Yeah. And like nothing else. Interesting. Wine, uh, liquor, nothing else. Just beer mm. until until 1989. Real strange. Real strange. Uh, was it, maybe maybe Sage should have moved there. Mm. Wasn't that his name? Yeah, Sage. Yeah. yeah, he could avoid. Well, if beer was his drink. If liquor was his drink, then it wouldn't have helped any. We would have oh, still been true. into trouble. Uh, okay, our next newcomer, Mariba, Australia. Mariba, Australia. It's in the little ear of Australia. You know, at the top there, it reminds me of a Batman ear on the on the. I see you making listening references. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, it's Queensland. The actual place that it's in Queensland, the uh, area of Australia, but uh, it's it's pretty nice there. Apparently, only eleven thousand people in Mariba. Uh, it's got they they've got all kinds of tropical fruits uh, foods that are grown there: coffee, cashews. Uh, Sugarcane, avocados. Sweet. On the welcome sign. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, that's three. I that's three. D- come on. That was that was a check. That was a check. It was, it was I'll give you like two points. Okay. 2.4. You got to give it to me because we got a little bit of show to go. Yes. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give it to me a little bit. You can't just, you can't just end the show here. Uh, if I don't have a co-host, it's going to be bad, Claude. It's going to be real bad. Yes. Hey, well, speaking of beer, I mean, we might as well do a power hour for how many times you Ooh, say Dave. I don't know. Um, you'll, end you know. Up, you'll end up drunk. It won't be good. Um, Not stealing any TVs, though. Any- oh. 
Anyways, on their sign for Mariba, it says "Great place to live." So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy it. I'm gonna buy it. Mariba is a great place mm-hmm. to live and a great place to listen to the Doc G Show. Thank you for all the listens, everyone. Uh, Claude, it's time. Second birthday suit. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. Born on March 25th, 1986 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Our birthday suit wear always loved basketball, even though he wasn't a tall child or adult. Our birthday suit wearer played for Cardinal Daughtery High School in Philadelphia. He was considered the 28th best player in the country coming out of high school in 2004. Hmm. He, was, he, he chose to go to Villanova. He played two seasons and then opted for the NBA draft. He was selected 24th overall by the Memphis Grizzlies. He was traded to the Houston Rockets in 2009. In 2012, he was traded to the Toronto Raptors, where he hit his stride. Since then, he has been a six-time All-Star and an NBA champion. Name that birthday suit where? Hmm. Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry is correct. Yes, indeed. Turning the big 3-4 for Kyle. Yeah. Old man. Yeah, he's old. I'll be honest. For an NBA guy. I'll be honest, Claude. I completely forgot that he was on the Memphis Grizzlies and the Houston Rockets. I don't remember him on either of those teams at all. I'm guessing you do he, uh, with your your NBA history, but uh, man, <laughs> I got I got Houston. Nothing. It was brief. Um, you know the the one that I remember. I I'm pretty sure he was uh, in Memphis when they had Rudy Gay at the same time. Mm. Uh, he wasn't like an integral piece, but. You know, I what Kyle Lowry has done um, is find a home in Toronto. Very happy yeah. for him, man. Happy birthday. I mean, impressive, too. Six feet tall, and he's not like... I mean, he's he's athletic, but he's not like, like Nate Robinson athletic, you know? He's, I mean... Nope. He's impressive for being six feet tall Stocky. and getting it done. Six-time All-Star. Impressive. Happy birthday, Kyle. Happy birthday. Okay, Claude, let's face it. There are 7 billion people on the earth. And as we were talking in that last break, there are quite a few dumb folks in that 7 billion. Am I right? Yes. Yes. Uh, Just a couple. (laughs) So (laughs) I know there's probably some people there listening to the show right now that are like, uh, that are positive patties, you know, and they're like, oh, Ben. There are a lot of smart people out there. Yeah, That's you're right. right. There are a lot of smart, smart people. But there are two things in this world that keep consistently popping up that help us show how dumb we all can be. Hmm. And those two things, Claude, are conspiracy theories and social media challenges. Yes. 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 These two, better than anything else can constantly show us how dumb we are. So I started thinking, Claude, how about I make a new segment where we pit one dumb challenge versus one dumb conspiracy to see the dumbest thing in history? Hmm. Huh? Huh? I, it, you know, if I wasn't already the NBA analyst for the show, I would just want to do this the entire time. <laughs> so true. It's <laughs> I, I got pretty excited thinking about this this week. So what do you want to hear first, the conspiracy or the challenge? Let's go with the, the challenge because I like conspiracies more. Okay. Okay. Well, here's the challenge. So uh, the challenge 
is the salt and ice challenge. Have you ever heard of this challenge? Hmm. Called? Maybe. Maybe. I. Maybe. You have to explain it. Okay. So this is a pretty old challenge, actually. Uh, it's been going on. I found uh, ice challenge, salt and ice challenges, going all the way back to 2011, 10. All the way back then, when it was pretty much just YouTube, they were loading it up on. That's a fact. Um, but it's 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 had several renaissance, uh, uh, Claude. It's gone, came in and gone back away, and then came back in. So it's pretty simple. Here's what you do: you get some table salt, you put it either on your leg or your arm, really any exposed skin, and then you put a piece of ice on that salt, and then you hold that ice as long as you can. Hmm. Now. <laughs> Uh, Claude, if you've ever been in the north, you'll see a lot of times where they put salt on the road uh, when it snows or ice. And the reason they do that so is there's chemical reaction. That chemical reaction is called a eutectic frigorific mixture. Word. Yeah. And what happens there, this this reaction is causes the ice to actually go much colder than it normally would be. Obviously, it hovers around freezing normally, but this reaction can cause it to go 35 degrees colder. Mm. 35 wow. degrees colder. So obviously, when people do this challenge, what happens? They burn themselves. That's a fact. They get second and third degree burns from this, and then they have scars forever. Jeez. Right? And the amazing thing, like I said, is it keeps coming back. People see these horrible burns and they're like, you know what? I should probably try that. Hmm. Let's give this a try. Like, I gotta say <laughs> for this, Claude, like, I don't know, like, who, who like, what do they think is gonna happen? A hundred percent of people get burned from this. There's no way to break the laws of chemistry. And yet they're like, let's give it a shot. Like, you know what this makes, you know what this makes me think of is... When you're in, do you remember? Maybe you did this or saw it happen in elementary school. Mm -hmm. um, I know, I know that was about fifty years ago for you. Yeah, but mm -hmm. true. Do you do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Indian sunburns? Oh yeah, the, watching, the rug burn. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're a little kid, and say you're not the one getting one, but you see somebody say, "Hey, you know, to somebody else, let me let me do this to you," and then you watch it, and the the kid is obviously in pain, but then you're like. I want to do that yeah. too. Yeah. And that this is like the adult version of that. Pretty much. Pretty much. Well, and some kids, some kids are still doing it too, you know. But like, <laughs> I mean, you know, like it's one thing if it's hilarious when you hurt yourself. Like, you know, like Johnny Knoxville stapling, a, you know, uh, his balls to his leg. That's funny. Sweet. That's good humor, right? But mutilating your arm with an ice burn, that's just gross. I don't need to. I don't yeah. need to see that. I don't need to see it. Okay, are you ready for the conspiracy? This is a pretty dumb conspiracy. Oh yeah. Here we go. Stevie Wonder isn't really blind. Wait, what? That's a conspiracy. <laughs> Did you know that's a conspiracy, Claude? There are people out there that don't think Stevie Wonder is actually blind. Girl, come on. I'm not surprised because of all the the potentially you know dumb people out there. Like, <laughs> That's a real thing. 
That's a real wow. thing. So for the folks out there that don't know, obviously Stevie Wonder, a musician, he sold 100 million albums, 25 Grammys, and is blind. So true. And we know this because Stevie was the child of Calvin Judkins and Lula Mae Hardaway, and Stevie was a premature baby. And one of the sad side effects of his premature birth was retinopathy, premature retinopathy, which means his retinas were detached from birth. So he was born blind. He has been that way all 69 years of his life. But for some reason, conspiracists started proposing the idea that, you know what? I've seen Stevie do things that only people that, that have vision could do. Hmm. He's definitely not blind. I don't believe it, right? And what really spurred him on, Claude, is there's a PBS concert with Paul McCartney and a bunch of other fo famous folks. And Stevie Wonder appears to catch a microphone that's falling beside him. Hmm. And people are like, oh, he could only have done that if he can see. Word. Which, obviously, there are all kinds of other things. You can feel it. You can feel the wire down on the ground. But no, all the conspiracists said, mm, nope, nope, means he can see. That means he can see. Then, just this year, Shaq added to it by telling a story on TNT about how he lived in L.A. When he lived in L.A., he was on an elevator, and Stevie Wonder walked into that elevator, said what's up to him, and then pressed the button on the elevator. Oh, come on! And people... Really? Yeah. I, I have not heard that. Yeah. Yeah, which, again, led to all the Stevie conspiracists saying, told you, dude totally has normal vision. Now... Claude, like most conspiracy theories, my first question for this is, why? Why would Stevie Wonder fake being <laughs> blind? Like, not like not only does he have to fake... He's been... If you're saying he's faking being blind, he's been faking it since he was 11 then. For the past 58 years. And not only does he have to fake being blind, he has to fake, like, not knowing what anything looks like, fake needing help to different places, fake being drove around every... Why would you do that? Jeez. And then I've seen these conspiracists actually said, oh, it's because they he'd become more famous. What? So you're telling me that somebody in the 60s in Motown told him, hey, you know... Your kid's really talented. He's really good at singing the piano, but you know what would make him more famous? If he's blind. Hmm. That Ray Charles. He and people really dig him, and he's blind. <laughs> so your kid's going to have to be blind, too. We'll fake it. Don't worry. Like, what? Girl, come on. What? Hey, may maybe, maybe, I don't know, but maybe... Over the course of time, um, there's a lot of celebrities that have uh, procedures done in many different uh, variations. Maybe he that gained the it back. Doesn't find out about. Yeah, well, maybe not completely. But hear me out. Oh. What if he's accumulated such a good team around him of people mm -hmm. that they got with the right doctors, and he has enough money, obviously, to do whatever he wants. And as we know in this country, if you have enough money, you can do anything. Yeah. So maybe he has kept the persona of of being blind his whole life but it wasn't until maybe the last couple years that he maybe went under uh, under, under you know underwent a 
um, minor procedure or maybe a major procedure that they kept hush-hush and, you know, it didn't fully give him vision, but maybe, like, faint outlines and things like that. I so hear... kind of, like, maybe they reattached. I, I don't know. I, mean, I understand I know. what you're saying, but, like, why would he not tell everyone? There's no reason that he would not not tell everyone that. And he'd be like, hey, I tried this procedure. I can semi-see shapes now. Like, there's no... I mean, hey, the, 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 the Kardashians pay for all of their good looks, but then they sell workouts like that's how they do it. So maybe it's something like that. No, 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 Claude. I'm going to have to stamp this dumb. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to stamp this dumb. There's, there's only one thing to it. Stevie doesn't need to be normal vision undercover blind man. That's not the case. That's not the case. So every sh- every every Shannon Sharp needs a, a Skip Bayless, and and I'm your Skip Bayless <laughs> right now. I'm just wrong. You're just being you're just being the contrarian. I like it. I understand. I understand. Yes. Well, uh, we will let the listeners decide which they find dumber. Is it the ice the salt ice challenge? Or the Stevie Wonder is not really blind. It's up to you guys. Make it count. Make your choice count. Uh, This is good. Claude, we will take another break. We're going to take a break. We're going to listen to our steel drivers again. And we will be back with none other than Tammy Rogers, fiddle player and singer for the steel drivers right here on the Doc G Show.
Welcome back to the show today, everybody. Today, we are joined by amazingly talented musician, founding member of the Grammy-winning Steel Drivers, Miss Tammy Rogers. Tammy, how are you doing today? Hey, Ben. Well, I am doing pretty well, all things considered. Yes. Yes. First off, I want to say I am very sad. We had planned on you guys coming to the studio uh, after a festival you had down here scheduled in florida but virus concerns it was postponed so have to do it by phone but it's okay it's okay we'll yeah we'll get it done on the phone we're we're keeping on i mean you know we've had at this point um all of our april dates have been postponed as Mm -hmm. opposed to canceled so um that's really uh, a great thing we haven't actually had just out and out cancellations. Yeah. You know, the way I look at it is it's just deferred. It's not canceled. Good. So, good. Um, Listeners I think have our that. Jacksonville date at the Florida Theater mm-hmm. has rescheduled, uh, I think, to August or September. So, okay. 
Okay. We're coming. We're coming. <laughs> it's just, we have to be a little patient, but we're getting, we're getting back down that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just got to wait a little bit. So, so true. Uh, let's jump in the way back machine for the listeners here. You started playing violin uh, very young, age 10. Uh, you learned classic violin. And in fact, yes. I was impressed. You have you have a degree in classic violin. That's jeez. That's not- I I do. Yeah. Um. I I was fortunate enough at the time. Um. I grew up out in Texas, and we had uh, strings in the school. Mm-hmm. So the music programs were excellent. Um. By the time I graduated high school, we had a forty-piece string orchestra. Wow. So it was a phenomenal you know experience to be able to to do that every day as part of my curriculum at school. But then my parents were both self-taught musicians. Um, so I was playing bluegrass and going to festivals um, every weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I grew up in a family band. So it was kind of the best of both worlds, you know, to be able to have the, the technique and the training at school, but then to be playing by ear and developing my ear and style at yeah. home was amazing. Now, now was was it your decision to go into the violin, or did your parents sort of say, hey, you should try the violin? Hmm. Oh, you know, it's a funny story. My dad actually signed me up. Okay. And I didn't want to have anything to do with it mm. first. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I sincerely, I remember just saying, I don't want to play any old fiddle. And, man, uh, we went to the music store, and we rented one to begin with Mm -hmm. and brought it home and opened up that case, and it just was almost love at first sight. Just (laughs) remember picking it up and and basically just falling in love. Yeah. That's that's the the only way I can describe it. You know, I, I, I never remember difficult to figure out how to hold it and all these crazy things that that some students struggle with it just always felt very natural to me and and i just loved it so yeah it was um funny i guess you know ironic that i would say that and then immediately (laughs) thinking about face and fall in love with it and never you know put it down just you turning right after that uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I guess then I was I was going to ask if you ever had a sort of a problem like, you know, listening to popular music growing up, did you ever have an urge to play another instrument since you don't really see too often in, you know, in pop culture? I mean, obviously, like Dave Matthews Band made the fiddle pretty popular. And like, yeah, right. but, but did you ever have like a like, man, I just want to play guitar Everybody plays guitar. Like, did you ever have that urge? You know, to be honest, not really, because growing up, you know, the violin is such a big part of classical music, of course. Yeah. And then the other stuff that I was listening to all through, you know, kind of high school years was mainly bluegrass. And yeah. that's the fiddle is, yeah. along with the banjo, you know, and the mandolin, the, the, the kind of preeminent solo instrument of that music style. So yeah. there, there was always plenty of great music to be inspired by and and great you know great chances to play and and um you know kind of step out in that way yeah. so not not really nice. you know um i i, I was just an, i laugh about it but until i was you know kind of mid-20s I, I was kind of in the bluegrass vacuum i didn't really listen to much else um besides you know like you know country which again same thing so yeah. it's always been a big part of that that music um 
But yeah, I didn't listen to a whole lot of pop music. Um, and when I did, it was more blues based, you know, like Stevie Ray Vaughan, yeah. stuff like that. Um, so nice. um, I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't ever something I went, oh gosh, I want to start playing the electric guitar. It's like, no, I just can enjoy that for what that is. Got it. Got well. So immediately out of college, you started playing, uh, you were on tour with Patty Loveless. Yes! Um, now, was that sort of your first experience with big, sort of big country there? Was that like yes. actually playing in that experience? What did you think of that yeah. experience? You know, it was, uh, interestingly enough, not anything that I had ever grown up thinking that I would do. I didn't know anybody in that world, so I didn't really know how that all worked and how you got hired, how you got gigs, you know what it meant to tour on that level. Yeah. Um, so, so when that, when I was hired, you know, got the opportunity to go audition. Uh, I mean, I was as green as you can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I had no clue about any of it, but Patty was just unbelievably gracious and in many ways treated me kind of like a, a younger, you know, kid sister and, and taught me so much yeah. and was really very, very patient. Um, you know, with somebody that, that had never had any experience in that setting. So it was the perfect first gig, really. Nice. nice. I, I, I think when I, whenever I think Patty, I think of her, uh, her album Mountain Soul, yes! which I, oh, I feel stunning. like, I feel stunning. like it hits a bit of what, you know, the steel drivers do. It's sort that's of right. in that little bit in that genre that you guys do. She, that's the best best rendition of uh, Never Leave Harlan Alive that I've yeah, heard. Yeah, oh, totally, that's, totally. That's the best one. She, she nails it on that. But, um... Yeah. So, uh, after, you know, after that work, you, you did some solo work, and the sort of the big group that you were a part of in the 90s was the Dead Reckoners. Um... Yeah. Which went along with the, the record label. Uh, and it seemed like you guys sort of created that because you didn't really like the formalities, the restrictions, expectations of Nashville, that sort of, you know, you weren't in that vein of let's do the, the popular country sort of idea. Uh, wh what was the reason you guys created Dead Reckoning, Dead Reckoners? Hmm. Well, you, you pretty much described it perfectly. <laughs> um, you know, we, we all had been friends and playing stuff um, together for quite some time um, and some of the guys from way back into the you know early to mid 80s mm -hmm. um, you know Kevin Welch had had a couple records out on Warner Brothers Kieran Kane had been part of the O'Kanes mm -hmm. they had been on Columbia I think um, Mike Henderson had had a country record out on RCA and everybody you know, except, you know, myself, I hadn't done, you know, had a commercial, big commercial release like that. But, yeah. you know, everybody had had kind of done that route and it, it it didn't really allow them the creative freedom that that they wanted or needed or that really worked for the music that they were making. You know, um, I mean, we joke now, 25 years later, that we were Americana before Americana was cool. <laughs> but it's it's kind of the truth you know yeah. um and that you know we just were committed to, to to making the records that we felt we needed to make and if there wasn't 
you know, a, a genre, if you will, for that music, it's like, well, this is still the stuff that we're writing. This yeah. is still the stuff that we're playing. This is still what we're doing, you know. Um, so that's, that's kind of how it came about, you know. Yeah. And it was an amazing situation to find myself in. You know, those, those guys were, um, when I first came to Nashville, I thought they were doing the coolest, hippest stuff in town anyway, along yeah. with Amy Lou Harris and Steve Earle and Nancy Griffith. And, you know, those were the circles of people that they were, you know, hanging with and working with and being around. And that that, that was the music that I wanted to be around, you yeah. know, and I wanted to, to be part of. So it, it really um, was totally, you know, for the music's sake. And, yeah. and I learned so very, very much from being a part of that and being around those folks that, uh, you know, it totally shaped the rest of my career in many ways. Yeah. Um, well, I was about you know, to say, I mean, I, it, it sort of seems like a, almost like a precursor to the steel drivers, sort of, uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and that was how, you know, Mike Henderson, you know, and I had been working together with the Reckoners. And then when, when we kind of stopped, touring you know in a large way Kieran and Kevin kept doing you know kind of smaller things I hadn't seen Mike in five or six years and out of the blue in 2005 he called me up like hey you know what are you doing these days and I was like well I've been out doing a few shows with Reba McIntyre and mm-hmm. you know still writing and this that and the other and he goes well do you feel like coming over you know and, and playing a little bluegrass and at that point I hadn't really played any bluegrass in about 15 years except wow. for you know, some kind of bluegrassy recordings here and there, you know, from certain people that I would work with. And yeah. So that's totally how that call came about, you know, through our friendship and time spent together with um, the, the Dead Reckoners. Nice, nice. Well, I, I remember the first time I heard the Steel Drivers. I had uh, Pandora on shuffle, and I made this really weird station that was, uh, it was like, I, I had put a bunch of soul singers. It was like Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and a bunch of other people. Oh, and then, yeah. And then I had some blues. Uh, I had some blues singers, like you were saying, like Stevie Ray Vaughan and a couple other people. And then I had some bluegrass and old-time music. And I just put it all together, like all these different things. And all of a sudden, Midnight Train to Memphis came on. <laughs> And and like, that works. Well, yeah. and I swear it was like the one time that Pandora understood what I was thinking. I was like, it yes. took all the elements of what I had wanted from all these other songs and these other groups and put it in one. Like yes. the banjo and the fiddle of bluegrass, the groove and guitar of blues, and then Chris just had this mountain soul that honestly I well, I had yeah. never heard before, and I was just like, yeah. man, and. You know, that was, to me, like, that was the most sort of eye-opening. It, it blew me away. Um, you know, you, you talked about starting that group. Where, where did the idea, as far as bringing in the other people, uh, once you and Mike started playing together, how did that come about? And you guys actually saying, you know what, let's, let's make an album of this. Well, it was totally, I always, you know, jokingly say it was all Mike's fault because he's the one that, that called each person. 
Ricky and, um, I mean, he's kind of the architect. He and Chris had been riding together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they knew each other well, and, and Mike very well knew Chris's vocal capabilities. And, yeah. you know, the songs that they had been writing were just phenomenal. Um, and then he and Mike Fleming, the bass player, had been college roommates. Yeah. So they went way back. And um, he had known Richard Bailey from playing down at the station in with the um, Tennessee Jug Band and, and different, you know, kind of station in gigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's the one, Mike's the one that called all of us together. And we all showed up at his house one <laughs> Sunday night, I remember it, and and started playing together. And it was like, you know, lightning in a bottle or something. Yeah. It immediately... You know, the five of us were like, wow, this is really fun, A, and B, this is really um, amazing music. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it just, so after the first time we got together, you know, a week or two later, I was like, hey, you guys want to do this again? <laughs> and everybody were like, yeah, let's yeah. do it. You know, so it became kind of this, we would get together, you know, it's not every week, every other week. Yeah. And and Mike and Chris had all these incredible songs that they had written for, you know, the last four or five years. It was just an incredible catalog of stuff. And we realized very quickly that we didn't need to to just sit around and play old covers. Yeah. They had this, you know, wealth of material. So we started, you know, just kind of playing and running through these songs that they'd written. And some of them worked. A lot of them worked. Yeah. Some of them didn't. But... You know, then we started, you know, kind of doing rehearsal tapes. Mike would set up just um, a stereo mic in the room, and as we would play, you know, we'd record the stuff, and that way, you know, um, he started burning CDs so we could listen back to what we were doing, and yeah. and it was really powerful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think what really it, powerful. I think one of the most interesting to me, one is song lyrics wise, you're talking about, you know, their the the these these songs that they had created, uh, was was Can You Run, and oh yeah, you know, I, I just you don't think, especially in a bluegrass uh, band of a song looking at the aspect from a slave during the Civil War. Nope. Do you remember <laughs> when you first? heard that song like and you, you put the the lyrics together as you're hearing it and you were like well that's that's not the usual stuff you know <laughs> like that's not oh, the yeah. usual take yeah no and and you know it, it was and to be honest it wasn't so many of the songs had yeah. such amazing unique perspectives it wasn't like that one in particular was any greater than I mean, all of the songs were that strong, basically. Yeah, yeah the price you know, is one I mean, of them, too. Definitely. The, the price, price is, is amazing. Yeah. I mean, the perspective of Sticks That Make Thunder, you mm-hmm. know, coming from a tree. Yeah. Peacemaker coming from the perspective of the gun. I mean, that's what was just so unbelievably outstanding. Yeah. Was it wasn't just one incredible song. There were so many. Yeah. It was just, you know staggering in, in a way yeah and you know it it was going in to record that first cd was it it was it was nothing i mean <laughs> yeah. it was so easy we just booked three or four days in the studio and and we just played yeah i mean we had so many great songs that we'd at that point already been playing for a couple of years it was just 
you know, I mean, yes, there was magic in the room, but it wasn't any different from any show that we might play. I yeah. mean, we literally recorded that first record live wow. in a big circle in the studio. Nice. I was singing live vocals with Chris. I mean, everything I played and sang in the same microphone. I mean, Man. it was, I'm sure it was a nightmare for Luke to <laughs> mix all that stuff because there was no real, you know, isolation or anything. Yeah. But that's why that record sounds the way it sounds. Yeah. Nice. And nice. people then that came out to hear us, suddenly it's like, wow, you sound exactly the same. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, because we didn't go in and, and there fix were no things tricks. a million times. Yeah. Or, you know, there was no, you know, let's layer over three more parts on this. It's like, nope, this is five people standing in a room playing and singing. This is what you get. Man, man. Well, when uh, Chris and Mike decided to leave the band in 2010, uh, what was the process? I mean, you made two albums. Did you guys sort of look at each other and say, should are we going to keep going on? Or was that even a thought? Did you just immediately be like, all right, who's the next singer? And, you know, how did how did Gary Nichols come to be that replacement? Hmm. Well, it happened, it happened a little more organically than that because actually Chris left the band in January of 2010, but mm -hmm. Mike Henderson stayed another two years. Oh, okay. So, um, and it was actually Mike Henderson's wife just kind of, surfing around on the internet, listening to music that ran across Gary's, um, I don't know if it was his website or something on a video clip on YouTube mm -hmm. and heard him and said, Mike, listen to this guy. You know, he's yeah. amazing. And um, so Mike called me up the next day and said, hey, do you know this guy, Gary Nichols? I think he's from, you know, Muscle Shoals. Yeah. And I said, well, I'd, I don't think I do, but I bet my husband does. My husband's a electric guitarist here in Nashville and he's played on thousands of sessions and records and stuff and he mm -hmm. he used to go down to Muscle Shoals and he still does but he used to go down there and work a lot so he knew most of the guys kind of down there in that scene yeah so I said let me call um, Jeff and see if he knows him Jeff's my husband mm -hmm. and so sure enough I call him up and I said hey do you know Gary Nichols he goes yeah I know Gary and I, I said well can you get a number on him um, and he said, yeah, hold on a second. And within five minutes, he, he called back and had Gary's number. So, um, I called Hendo back and I said, well, here's his number. And so he just cold called Gary kind of out of the blue. And at that point, Gary had, um, he'd had the one record out on Mercury and that yeah. deal had kind of gone south. So he'd just been hanging out down in Muscle Shoals for a year or two, you know, writing songs and, you know, just trying to figure out what the next thing was going to be. Yeah. So um, he really wasn't aware of what the Steel Drivers had been doing because about the time that we, you know, kind of came on the scene, he was kind of out of it for a little while. So um, he he heard the stuff and said, well, yeah, I know Chris. We've written together before and I think he's great. And so he came up and, um, man, just had prepared four or five songs and we sat in a room and it's like, well, this is amazing. This guy's <laughs> great. <laughs> you know, so it, it was a pretty easy, you know, transition and, yeah. and, and Gary, you know, was such an amazing guitar player too. Um, and songwriter, you know, he, he brought a lot 
a lot to the band. So yeah. um, I, I think having, you know, Mike stay for a couple more years really eased that, yeah. that transition. Um, so, you know, when he, he decided, you know, that he just didn't want to keep touring really was the long and short of it. Um, cause we were getting ready to go in and, and, and do the third record. And yeah. he just went, you know, we don't make records every year. So I think he knew if we, did a record you know he would be kind of committing to another two or three year cycle yeah and he just said you know i'm just not up for it right now and so that's when we um um asked brent truitt you know if he would be interested in in you know doing the gig full-time he'd gone out in 2009 and done um a handful of sub dates for for henderson um when he couldn't make some things and and so that was wound up being a rather seamless yeah. um, transition. Um, so we've been really, really fortunate. You know, obviously it would be amazing if, if we still had the same five people together after yeah. 15 years. But in all reality, most bands don't have that luxury. No. Yeah. You know, either for health reasons or financial reasons or just you know, personal reasons, whatever the reasons may be, mm-hmm. you know, bands experience changes. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm thankful that, that our fan base has, you know, for the most part stayed with us and allowed us to evolve. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big part of that is we remained, um, viable and that, um, and the sound has it has evolved with the different people. You can hear yeah. the different people in the music. It's 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 an organic change through the different singers and through the different uh, musicians that have it, it it it's a natural process, but it's also still got the same drive like you were saying. Yes. You, you still yes. come it out It still with, has mm-hmm. the same, you know, our our whole, you know, um insistence on writing our own material and you know edgy and that blues bass mm-hmm. you know uh, the, the whole reason the band came together to begin with all those things haven't changed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah so well, I, I, I think that the sound you know kind of the the the, the original idea behind the sound that hasn't changed yeah yeah well, so with with Gary, you guys won your Grammy, and that was with the Muscle Shoals recording. Um, I really feel like there's something down in the water there that you just put like <laughs> put put Muscle <laughs> yeah. Shoals in the in the title. Like I feel like maybe I could put Muscle Shoals in my title, and I'd get more listeners. Like I'm just tempted to be like Muscle maybe. Shoals. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but but you did you did a little work on that album with uh, Jason uh, Isbell uh, on Brother John. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how how did that come about? As far as deciding to write that song with with uh, Jason. Hmm. Well, um, actually, that's that's not a co-write with Jason, but he mm. co-produced the track, and um, he also co-produced um, "There She Goes." Yeah. Um, and then he played some slide guitar um, on Ashes of Yesterday, which was super cool to hear that on there. Yeah. Um, but he he and Gary basically grew up together mm. down in the Shoals. Mm. They, um, I want to say Gary was maybe a year ahead of Jason in mm-hmm. school, so maybe they're just a year apart. But mm-hmm. 
they were in bands together, were in, you know, um, competing bands, (laughs) (laughs) you know, just kind of had known each other since they were, I want to say, 14 and 15, something like that. Um, So they they had a tremendous history together. And, you know, we really wanted with that record at that point, you know, when we made that record, Gary had been in the band almost five years, I think. So it, it felt like he had finally um, kind of emerged out of Chris's shadow, if you will. Yeah. As far as, you know, the Steel Diver fan base. Yeah. And we wanted to to really let him kind of take on that mantle. It's like, let's do it. Let's let's put this in your backyard. Let's go to your hometown. Let's yeah. soak up your influences and and see what we get. And nice. you know, it, it would have been great had Jason been available to, to work with us for the whole record. You know, he <laughs> yeah. had, he had his career had taken off that year as well mm-hmm. after Southeastern. Um but but it really was from a, a, a point of we wanted to go and we did go down there and record the whole record. We worked with Jimmy Nutt at the Nut House. Nice. Um where Jason had done a couple of his records before he he got with Dave Cobb here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. But we wanted, you know, to, to be down there, to, to be in that place, to soak that up and to get as much influence as we could. Um, to see what would happen, and yeah. I, it was a it was a great record to make. It was super fun to be down there. Loved everything about it. Mm-hmm. You know, loved spending the day with Jason. I had never you know met him in person at that point, yeah. and you know he he was just great. And and I'm thankful that that he had an influence on that song on those songs because I can definitely tell you that they would have turned out differently had we not recorded them with him. For sure, for sure. Well. After the Muscle Shoals album, once again, you had to find a singer again. Oh, come on. Uh, and and I heard you had a little help from your daughter in the most yeah. recent acquisition, as far as uh, as Kelvin coming to the band. Uh, how did how did that come about? As far as the search, and then just being like, well, hey, have you checked this guy out on YouTube? Here? Yeah. Well, <laughs> just kind of the way you described it. Um, you know, we we knew we had to have a new lead singer, yeah. and um, you know, by this point in in kind of the evolution of the band, um, you know, if you go on YouTube and you punch in Steel Drivers covers, you know, tons and tons of videos yeah. will pop up of people, sin- you know, singing our material, which is unbelievable. Yeah, and and what a great compliment to the band. Um, and also, you know, same thing with, with Stapleton. By this point in history, he has exploded and become this huge superstar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and that has been incredible for the band as well. And he's been so generous, you know, in, in through these years of always mentioning the band and his origins and the mm-hmm. time spent in the band. So, certainly that's all spilled over in, in such a positive way for us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, when we were, you know, trying to, you know, rack our brains, it's like, well, we want to continue. We feel like that we can continue. Um, but obviously we've got to find a fifth member, you know, 
my husband was like, be hundreds of people doing your songs now. So just do a search. And sure enough, my daughter, you know, got online and she's the one that found the video of Kelvin singing. Um, I was wrong. Yeah. A Stapleton thing. And, and sent it. And I remember I was in the car. We were going to a gig somewhere and I played it for Brent and Richard. And Brent immediately was like, this guy's got something in his voice that you can't teach. Yeah. Yeah. He's not just, he's not copying. That's just his voice. Yeah. And I, and, and he was right. You know, he, he reached out to Kelvin. You know, again, modern technology, it's crazy. We didn't even need his phone number. He just sent him a message on Facebook. Yeah. And and lo and behold, Kelvin, you know, responded. And the next thing you know, he comes down and 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 sings. And, you know, we do some picking together. And and, and Brent was right. It's like he, he just, that's just his voice. He's not trying to sound like Chris. I got to say, I did, I did not see it coming out of him. Like I watched that same know, right? that same cover video, and you know maybe it's because I got used to uh, Chris's mountain man bearded cowboy look. look. But you see, yeah. you see Kelvin, and he's got he's got this baby face, and then all of a sudden, yeah. boom! There's there's this voice. Uh, Kelvin's going. I mean, he's he's like you said, he's he's from sort of middle of nowhere Kentucky. And in just in in a in a couple months, he's playing the Grand Ole Opry with a, a Grammy winning band, and singing with Bill Murray, the Bill yeah. Murray. Wait, like what? how how's he done with that transition? Hmm. You know, he has done unbelievably well. I mean, I I can't imagine going. You know, like you say, kind of zero to ninety, like he did. Yeah. And, and kind of holding it all together, but he's just, you know, remarkably well-grounded and, you know, he's married and got a couple young kids and, you know, just really has, it just hasn't seemed to phase him. Nice. You know, playing in, in these really big rooms and big theaters and, yeah, having Bill Murray walk out, <laughs> doing the Grand Ole Opry, you know, all these things, he just... He's he made for it. takes it. He he is, you know. Yeah. He just yes! he just stands there and 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 melts the microphone and <laughs> you know he 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 just yeah he's handled handled it incredibly well. Nice, nice. Well, the new album it's been out for about a month. Bad for you, uh, fantastic album. Yes! Now, aside from obviously the big change of the lead singer, there's also a big change on this record. You uh, did a, a lot of songwriting. Uh, yeah. So, how, were you nervous taking on that responsibility, or more was it just like, "All right, I got the the let's let's do some songwriting." Um, both. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, yeah. Um, you know, those were some really big boots to step into. You know, both from the Henderson Stapleton co-writes, yeah, on those first two records, and then. You know, the next two records were, were kind of split almost 50-50 between me and, and Gary. Yeah. Um, handling the writing. So, you know, to kind of feel like, okay, um, <laughs> well. Yeah. Um, kind of the last man standing here. Um, yeah. But I, I had been writing for a couple years before, you know, Gary left the band. So I had a bunch of songs kind mm. of stockpiled. 
and then you know once we we made had to make the change and coming out in the band and we realized we we need to give him some time to really get really familiar and get really comfortable with yeah. this before we just rush into the studio um I, I i took that time and i just you know grabbed it with both hands really and nice. started writing as much as i could with um some of my favorite people and yeah. i also reached out to some people that that i hadn't written with before but that i knew um like john paul white for example yeah he and gary kind of similar to he and to, to gary and jason he and Gary had known each other since high school and had written together. And John Paul had had several songs, you know, kind of throughout the years that he and Gary had written on Steel Driver Records. Mm. Um, I had known John since before the Civil Wars, um, but we had never written together. So, mm. you know, I just kind of cold called him one day. I was like, hey, I'm writing for this new record. Would you, I've always loved what you brought to the table with Gary. Um, I loved, you know, his solo stuff and the Civil War stuff. Would you have time to write? And he was, he said, just absolutely, let's let's do this. And so that was really a great thing to get him involved and to bring some of his melodic sense in. And that's how Innocent Man, yeah, on the record. And then, you know, kind of similar to what we did with Jason, he was too busy to, you know, to kind of do more than a day in the studio with us but but we asked him to come in and co-produce um on that day and just got a, a wonderful track and just had a great experience with him in the studio so ever um, since he's came back from uh from his hiatus there it, it, we had him on the show and it seems like he just he can't turn away good opportunities anymore it's like yeah. you say he's just like oh yeah that sounds good let's do it let's do that too yeah let's he's, let's he's he he's just he has so much energy and he's just like boundless you know he's, yeah. he's he's unbelievable i mean i texted him you know last week with with all this quarantine it's like hey you want to try to skype right mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like absolutely <laughs> You know? Now, when, when I was when he was on the show, I asked him if he had ever been tempted to write a happy song, and he said no. Nope. Uh, <laughs> did was there ever uh, when you were writing Innocent Man with him? Was there ever a plan of like a happy song? Because obviously, it's not a happy song. Nope. But it, just in my head, I had a feeling like you were like, hey. I got an idea about a guy winning the lottery, and he was like, "Ah, that sounds good, but let's go with a guy that's tormented with his own guilt from not being innocent. How does that sound? Let's what? try that out. Like, yeah. <laughs> he just seems well, to the, just go to those sad songs. Uh, you know, and the funny thing is, is, is he's, 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 I don't, he's really funny. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's, he's got a great sense of humor and, yeah. you know, kind of, you know, ironically so. Um, but I, and, and ironically, the way you described that, I mean, it was actually kind of opposite. He walked in and he said, I've got this idea about a song about a dog. What? <laughs> All right. And I'm like, hmm, okay, well, that might work. And then I said, but I've got this idea about, you know, this, this guy that's been falsely accused, you know, it would yeah. be called Innocent Man. And <laughs> so... You know, it's, it's 
if anybody can hang with his darkness, it's probably me, you know, <laughs> growing up in the, the bluegrass vacuum because, you know, that's kind of where where we live. Yeah. Um, in a lot of bluegrass mountain, you know, murder ballads, as I call them. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, n- not that we out, you know, out dark each other, <laughs> but um, it worked we, well. We did the first song. Thank you. The, the first song that we did write that, that hasn't come out yet is actually a really amazing piece of writing that we kind of wrote for our kids. Nice. Um, and it's just called Some Things You Ought to Know. And and I definitely hope that one sees the light of day at some point soon. Because um, it's, it's, it's not kind of the, the typical, you know, John Paul or Steel Driver thing. Yeah. But um, really a piece of songwriting that, that I'm immensely proud of nice um but but we've talked about you know he did say that he would like to write something kind of to complement that that that's more like a fast up-tempo oh okay bluegrassy thing but you know we'd probably still try to have like a dark depressing (laughs) lyric there'll probably be something in there don't worry that's kind of that's kind of the bluegrass way i always said happy music sad lyrics yeah that works that works well aside from aside from innocent man uh what's your favorite part which uh, looking back on this new album uh, which which your favorite song or just favorite memory of making this album? Oh gosh, I I can't say that I have a favorite song because they're all my they're, yeah they're like my children yeah I love them all mm-hmm. um and and each one I remember you know my co writers and sitting down and and writing them with them and. You know, and it's always a great day when you when you get a song that that you really love like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's yeah, they, they each have their place for me in in different ways, um, and and they will for me each one. Whether anybody in the the larger world knows the intimate story about each one, every time I hear it, it takes me to a certain thing. Yeah, and in a certain you know, like I, I think of my mom in, even though it's not specifically about my mom and lonely and being alone. Yeah. I think about, you know, my daughter, um, her first heartbreak in When a Heart Breaks. That's what inspired that song when she was 16. Nice. Nice. Well, so, so they're, they're, they're little nuggets of my life in, in so many of the songs, whether it's, the whole story in the song or just a, a line or two. You yeah. Know? So that's that, what that makes, makes it really I was about to say. personal for me. That, well, that's what makes a song great for anybody, you know, is if they can attach it with something great like that, you know, or a big momentous occasion, it's going to stick with yeah. them for a long time. And uh, I think I think Steel Driver songs do that for a lot of people. Actually, yes! um, they they definitely they I hope so. they definitely stick with people. Tammy, we are up against a break, but I, I want to thank you for so uh, so much for coming on and taking the time to talk with us today. Well, you are very welcome. Um, you know, we're we're just sitting here trying to keep the wheels turning as best we can, and and we can't wait until we can get back out there and start playing some shows again. And yes, you know, just doing. It's unfortunate, but I know we're not the only people that that had a record. You know, that just came out. You know, it feels like this whole quarantine is stop the momentum but you know it, it it'll pick back up yeah and things will you know the record will will reach 
the people that it needs to reach and, and hopefully um you know we may even do a relaunch if this keeps going too much longer and well, you know, I mean, what better what better time to listen to the album than when you're stuck inside? That's right. I mean, you know, what what better time to put on a couple albums, dance around? True. So, I mean, yep. for listeners out there, you need to check it out. Bad for you, it is out now, yeah. and you can keep up with everything. Steel drivers, find out when those uh, shows were postponed and when they will be back on schedule at thesteeldrivers.com, or you can follow them on Instagram at. The Still Drivers. Right now, let's take a listen to I Choose You right here on the Doc G Show.
And we are back here on the Doc G show. You guys just heard the Steel Drivers. And before that, you heard me interviewing Miss Tammy Rogers from the Steel Drivers. Big thanks to Tammy for coming on the show. Pretty fantastic, man. I'll I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Claude. I got a little little nervous before this interview. You know? Word. I bet. Like, I mean... I mean, that's big time stuff. You know, I mean, I, I, I thought about it afterwards, and I was like, I've interviewed some pretty big folks, been lucky enough to interview some pretty big folks, and I don't know, maybe I just thought about it more on this one, because I was just like, you know, I was thinking about it, I was like, man, they've won a Grammy, she's been playing her whole life, this was Chris Stapleton's band when they started, like, I mean, it's a pretty big deal. So true. They're still drivers, they still make some pretty big jams. But, you know, super nice. Super nice. That's a fact. Fantastic band. Fantastic songs. I mean, just all around. Good stuff, Claude. Good stuff. Can't ask for more than that. Yeah. No. No. I was, uh, I, I also was very uh, surprised. You know, we had John Paul White on the show that she wrote her song with there. And I was surprised that she said she writes as many sad songs as he does. That was surprising to me. Because I thought no one wrote as many sad songs as he did. But That's a fact. She, 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 she won-up me right there. She won-up me. But yeah. nonetheless, thank you for being on the show. We hope to do it again very soon. Should be fantastic. Should be. We should get a studio interview soon. That's a fact. Uh, when the coronavirus decides to uh, clear up. Girl, come on. But... Claude, are you ready for the third birthday suit? Hmm. All right, I got to go three for three. Let's do it. You got it. You got it. It's another icon. <sighs> Pressure. Another icon, just like Elton John. Uh, maybe even bigger. Some would say. say I would. I, I would go to say bigger. Actually, if you can get bigger in music, but yes. Um, born on March twenty, and I'll give you the hint. Uh, right now, Claude. Uh, no longer with us. Okay. No longer with us. They're they're not living anymore. Okay. Uh, born on March 25th, 1942 in Memphis, Tennessee. Her father was a preacher, and her mother was an accomplished singer and piano player. So true. Her mother died when our birthday suit wearer was only 10 years old. Around the same time, our birthday suit wearer learned how to play the piano by ear, which is always something just so impressive to me, man. You're just sitting there like, oh, you know what? That sounds like this. Oh, here I got it. Like, crazy talent. Crazy talent, Claude. Uh, she started singing gospel when her dad went to preach. She actually toured with Martin Luther King at the age of 16. Wait, what? Yeah. When uh, she turned 18. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. When she turned 18, she told her dad she wanted to start singing secular music and be like one of my faves, Sam Cooke. She, uh, she was signed to Columbia and her first album was released in 1961. She released two more albums on Columbia, but they weren't that popular. She really hit fame, and that is a pun right there because she recorded these at Fame Records in Muscle Shoals. It always makes the pun way better when you have to explain it like that, Claude. Don't know if you know that. Wham. <laughs> oh, yeah. She signed to Atlantic. This is when she released her cover of Otis Redding's R-E-S-P-E-C-T and other classics like Chain of Fools, 
Do right, woman, do right, man, and I never loved the man the way I love you. That's right. She has been dubbed the Queen of Soul. She was the first woman ever inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. She is the in the Gospel Hall of Fame. She is in the M Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Yes. Rolling Stone listed her as the ninth greatest singer of all time. She has 11 honorary degrees from colleges like Harvard, Princeton, Yale, Penn, and the Berkeley College of Music. Wow. She's won 18 Grammys, not counting her three special Grammy Awards that the Grammys just made up for her. Girl, come on! And she won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Who is it? Name that birthday suit wearer. It, it took me until the songs, but Aretha Franklin. Aretha Franklin, Queen of Soul, is correct. Yes, indeed. Yes. Yes, indeed. And I, and I will say, she is... She's very uh, equivalent to Sam Cooke. Yes. The one difference, I love Sam. Sam uh, is by far my favorite soul singer of all time. That's right. Um, the one difference, Aretha puts a little bit more, a little bit more oomph Word. into it. She's got a little bit more spunk in the singing Word. than Sam. Sam always delivered in such a cool, smooth mode. And Aretha put a little bit more, oh, here you go. So and that, true. I mean, you know, that's that's what respect, that's what made her respect. That's what made it, in my opinion, better than Otis Redding's. Because it had that, uh to it. That, uh You know what I'm yep. saying, Claude? Uh. Mm-hmm, man. She was something else to listen to. Um, Sam Cooke was was great, too. My favorite of his is uh, is Bring It On Home. Oh, but, such a man, such a Aretha Franklin... Can you beat? Can you get any better than R E S P C T? Mm, I don't know. I don't know, man. Well, actually, I, I mean, and this just is this is just me. But she's got this song. It's like one of her deep cuts. I don't. And and forgive me. I don't even know the name of the song. I think it's Mister Sunshine. I want to say the name of it's Mister Sunshine. But uh, it is. It just. It just makes you want to groove, man. It's just got this. So true. It's just, nah, it's not You Are My Sunshine. I don't know what the name of it is. Dave, uh, oh, oh, that is that. That's it. That's it. I know. That's three. It's all right. It's all right, God, because it's the end of the show. Yes. So it's okay. <laughs> we, we've made it. We've made but it. To, um, but to be honest, man. to be honest, Claude, that, that one was the first off the top of my head that I accidentally did it. The other ones I was reading mm -hmm. it off and I was just being dumb. This one, this one was an actual mistake. Anyways, we got through it. <laughs> Happy birthday to Aretha Franklin. She would have been 78, yes! 78 today. Yes, Aretha yes. would have been. Happy birthday. 78, but. Claude, it's the time of the show that I tell you about the upcoming guest. We've got some fantastic ones. Three on the lineup here. We've got Lori Lieberman. Lori Lieberman has had a career in the music industry. She was the writer of Killing Me Softly, Claude. Killing Me Softly. Ooh. The Fugees, Roberta Flack. She's the originator right there. Boom. That's awesome. Yeah, she's nice. coming on the show. It's going to be fantastic. We've also got Jared Dickinson, a fantastic folk singer. I got to be honest, the picture that I uh, that I used for his promo most recently, he reminds me of Doc Holliday from Tombstone, mm. the way Val Kilmer played him. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but it reminds me a little bit of him. Uh, then we also have uh, John Craigie. Yes! 
John Craigie, who uh, our good friend of the show, Andy Frasco, said is the best songwriter of this generation. That's what he said. That's what he said. That's a bit. That's a bold statement. It is. It is. So as soon as he's... But we only have bold statements on this show, right? Uh, either that or misnaming you, Claude. One of the two. That's so the true. two things that we do. Bold <laughs> statements and calling you Dave. That's the two things that we do. Or at least I do on this show. But anyways, <laughs> we got to wrap it up for this week. I have been your host, Doc G. With me this week, none other than Claude, Fly Till I Die, Lathan. My uh, my pleasure, you guys, and um, just make sure I do want to say, everybody, thank you for listening as always. Stay safe mm-hmm. out there, um, you know, thinking about all of y'all, and um, just want to make sure that, you know, our viewers are, are well taken care of, or our listeners are well taken care of. Yes, yes, wash hands, social distancing. But anyways, till yes. next time, zip it up and zip it out.